Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Are you ready for some high adventure coming up next on the Mutual Audio Network? The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. Where is that blasted plane? It was supposed to be here and ready for takeoff. Blimey! We do our impossible job perfectly and the Yankee Air Force can't even manage to get the easy part right. Whose side are they on, anyway? Sir, do you suppose the Jerry shot it down? Could be. And that would mess up the whole works, wouldn't it? Let's give them some more time. But I bloody well don't like being hung out to dry like yesterday's wash. Churchill will not be on my Christmas card list after tonight. And if the plane doesn't get here, what happens then? <sighs> Could be worse, son. I've always wanted to date a French girl, haven't you? <laughs> Don't worry, Nigel. You'll be kissing your sweet Becky before the sun sets tomorrow. S stay low to the ground, lads. The plane will be here soon. The Nazis are not spoiling this holiday for us. I wouldn't be surprised if Princess Elizabeth herself is on board to greet us each with a kiss. A bit hard to imagine that on a night like tonight, the rest of the world is off shooting and killing each other, eh? Aye, it is. You all right there, lad? Yeah, Colonel, I'm fine. Just wondering if Bobby is looking down on us tonight, and what he thinks of this whole mess. Your brother was a brave lad, Nigel. He's probably thinking that we've got to get the information we stole from the Jerry's back home. The sooner we can deliver it, the sooner we... There it is! Look over to the west! She's coming in now! Okay, lads. Our bus has arrived. Be on your bellies until she lands and turns around. Only when she comes to a complete stop and the door flies open do we move out. Understood? Phew. Waking up the neighborhood's not exactly what we want right now. Hold your spots! I'll give the signal! There's the all-clear, lads! Time to go home! Your country will be proud of the work you did here. Move out! Finally, headed home. Here we go. Sorry. Get on that bloody plane. Get the data back to London. And have a fight. 
Colonel! He can't last that much longer up there. Look! That's, that's gotta be 20 Jerry's he's killed. We can't just leave him there. when we get home, or at least his family should get it. You all right, Andrews? Killed a bunch of Germans who got drafted just to be tossed out like lambs for the slaughter. I hate this war. I hate this war! Based on the work of best-selling author Ace Collins, the Long Highway Players proudly present A Date with Death. Episode 1, On Orders from Washington. How are you today, Helen? I'm fine, sir. How are you? You look like you haven't slept well lately. Oh, it's been this way since December 7th. Day and night this place occupies your mind. Running around this White House all the time. To be young again, Helen. I just don't know if I've got the stamina for this job anymore. <laughs> People around here say you never age, Secretary Stimson. Oh, aging happens, but only to the lucky ones. A lot of the boys on the front lines won't ever know what it's like to get old. Sometimes I think the young folks ought to stay home and people like me who's already lived a long life should go off to battle. That kind of war would be over in no time. True enough, sir. Anyway, the president told me to send you straight in. Goodbye, Helen. Goodbye, Mr. Secretary. Well, here goes. Helen, I trust you are well. That blue suit looks lovely on you. Have I ever told you you're the spitting image of your mother when she was your age? What a woman she was. Hello, Mr. President. I remember her spunk. 
Dad always said I got it in spades. Well, that you did, my dear. Well, now, it's usually me who calls on you to do a job, and yet here you are. I don't have to be Sherlock Holmes to just guess this must be important. What can I do for you? Sir, about a month ago, I requested a car from the motor pool. I had to follow up a lead the OSS had given me. Ah, yes, you're making waves over there, Helen. Arthur is begging me to let him have you full time. Only there are issues here that I only trust you with. Actually, sir, I believe one of those issues is the reason I'm here. The car I got from the motor pool was a 1937 Lincoln Zephyr sedan. Oh, great car. I really like that V12 engine. Well, sir, this particular car was seized in an espionage case. It belonged to Wilbur Schellmeyer. Uh, the Lutheran minister we arrested for spying for the Nazis? That's him. He's due to be executed on March 16th. Mm, sad case. I understand he has a wife and three children. Well, he did. One of the girls supposedly died about six months ago. But I'll come back to that. Go ahead, Helen. On my second day of driving Shellmeyer's car, I opened the glove box and found a notebook that had detailed information about every time the car got a fill-up, oil change, or maintenance. It didn't seem like a big deal at first, but after a while, I started wondering why Shellmeyer would be such a stickler for recording everything. Curiosity has killed many a cat, Helen. But what did your curiosity lead to? Well, I wanted to know why a preacher and father would become a spy. So I got the box of his belongings that was taken when they picked him up. His journal had thousands and thousands of detailed notes in the margins, but most of them weren't about the meanings of scripture or anything having to do with his profession. I can tell you everything he ate at every meal for three years. I know how much rain fell at his house on what days. I can even give you his children's height. Sounds like just a perfect spy. Good at getting information and an eye for details. And that's what bothers me, sir. The case against Shellmeyer was pretty ironclad, but the materials the FBI found didn't have any detailed information. And the code in his notes was so easy to break, a child could have done it. But he confessed, Helen. What are you getting at? The confession he made didn't fit the notes I found in his logbook. So I went to his church and looked at their records. Turns out he was performing a wedding on the same day he confessed he was photographing our shipyards in Norfolk. He even confessed to stealing files at Fort Bliss at the same time the church records say he was at a funeral. And I could give you a dozen more examples where what he told the FBI doesn't match up with what the church calendar says. You know, come to think of it, as I recall, Shelmeyer didn't even try to make a deal to give us information on the people he was working with. It all does seem too easy. I guess the FBI just didn't want to look a gift horse in the mouth. Just what I was thinking, too, Mr. President. So either he's completely loyal to the Nazis, or he doesn't want to rat out a friend, or he's afraid of something even more than death. All very interesting, Helen, but it's all conjecture. Couldn't this be just a series of coincidences? There's more, sir. Now we come back to his oldest daughter, Ellen. She drowned while the family was on a vacation in Mississippi last October. But Shellmeyer never brought her body home for a funeral. The day after she died, the family buried her in a tiny little cemetery in Georgia. So what? A lot of folks bury their loved ones near where they die. Maybe Shellmeyer and his wife just wanted to get the burial over with and move on with their lives. Grief will do that to anyone. But here's the thing, sir. Every member of the Shellmeyer clan, going back three generations, is buried on a family plot in Germantown, New York. 
Why would Ellen be any different? And if they couldn't take her to New York, why would they go to Georgia for the funeral? It doesn't add up. I think I need a cigarette. Here, I have a light, sir. Thank you. It's against doctor's orders, but this Shellmire matter has given me the dickens. Helen, what's your theory about the supposedly dead daughter? My gut tells me that Ellen is alive and being held somewhere for blackmail. If Shellmire tells us what he was really up to, she dies. And the pastor is perfectly willing to sacrifice his own life to save hers. It seems like a pretty wild story, Helen. But it's the only thing that makes sense, Mr. President. Well, what do you want to do? Mr. President, I've got to get into that girl's grave. Oh, uh, no, no. The, the family would never. I know it's outrageous. But if it were a matter of national security, the family would never have to know. And I don't want to go through regular channels to get this done. Why not? To preserve my cover. I think there might be a German mole in the White House, although I don't have a clue who it might be. But I need to make it look like I'm working on something else. Well, you come up with a cover story and I'll issue an official order. Well, sir, I've already taken the liberty here. Here's the draft of the cover story I want to use, if you think it's okay. <laughs> so you want permission to interview some experienced law enforcement officials who might be officer material? Yes, sir. And I also want Henry Reese to join this little task force. Henry Reese? Why him? Well, as I said, sir, the notes in Schellmeyer's journal are written in code, and Reese can break that stuff down better than anyone. Besides, he's a good shot. I'm thinking there's going to be some shooting before this is over. <sighs> you know, Helen, every day when I eat breakfast, I wonder how much American blood has been shed in the time it took for the cook to fix my eggs. How many more died as I put these braces on my legs, got dressed, and moved into my wheelchair? You've made a good case for Shellmeyer's innocence, but those boys who die in battle, they're innocent too. They didn't ask to die. They didn't want to suffer. But I sent them to a place where they did. Helen? Sir? I can't give Shellmeyer a reprieve unless you get me proof that he's innocent. We can't look soft on enemy spies at this point in the war. You have... Uh, 12 days before his execution. Then I'd better get moving. Uh, wait, wait, Helen. There's one more thing. I want you to spend some time with a man England has designated as a, a hero of sorts. Excuse me? I want you to go on a few dates for your country. You can't be serious. I can't pretend to fall in love with someone. That's not in my job description. Helen, I need this from you. <sighs> You'd better tell me about him. So, Helen, what do you know about Colonel Reggie Fister? Just what I've heard in the newspapers. He held off a squadron of Germans while the men in his unit got on a plane and escaped occupied France. The information those guys gathered during the mission led to a number of successful English bombings over Germany. But you'd better not be asking me to date a dead man, President Roosevelt. No, I'm not. 
Did the news you read mention a soldier named Nigel Andrews? Sure. He was chosen to raise money for bond initiatives and give a few speeches to rally the troops. The paper said he was closer to Fister than anyone else in the unit. That's right. It also seems that Andrews got promoted to corporal and was assigned to be one of Churchill's personal assistants when he got home. A bodyguard, sir? Essentially. In a few weeks, Churchill will be coming over here for some meetings in upstate New York, and Andrews will be with him while he's here. Give the illusion that Churchill is still in London. Andrews will arrive in Washington a few days early. He'll appear at a few bond rallies, do some meet and greet, go to a few social events. Whenever he's in the public eye, I want you with him. With all due respect, sir, can't you hire some Hollywood starlet for the job? The press would eat that up. Helen, Andrews is a valuable symbol for the Brits, and we have to show England we recognize that. He needs a beautiful, professional, intelligent woman by his side during his visit. Besides, the gossip you'll create by being a part of my staff will take up far more of the press's time and attention than some starlet would. After all, a starlet is already famous. Sir, I simply cannot- Helen, this is not a request. The first event is in six days, so you've got some time to get a start on your other project. After that, Henry Reese can cover for you on the days you're with Andrews. <sighs> okay. But I still think looking into Shellmeyer is a lot more important than serving as a dizzy debutante. Oh, you never know, Helen. Your time with Nigel Andrews might just change your life. <laughs> you know me better than that, sir. I don't have time for marriage, and I'm not the type to bake cakes and tarn socks. Well, I'd better get started on the project that I wanted to do. Yes, Missy? Mr. President, I've just gotten a call from Henry Reese. He says there's an incident at the Continental Bank on 57th Street. Hostages taken in everything. The D.C. police are staking the bank out, but Reese says Miss Meeker needs to get right over there. Right you are, Missy. I'll pass the word along to her. Call Reese back. Let him know help is on the way. Yes, sir. Right away. Thank you, sir. What was that all about, Mr. President? Helen, I'm afraid you've got one other little project that needs your attention right this minute. Hold up there. No one gets in here, lady. We got a dangerous situation on our hands here. I'm here on official White House business. Here are my credentials. Helen mm, Meeker. I'm Sergeant O'Hara. Is Reese about six foot tall, bit like a football player with a face? Girl swoon over? Is he a short, stocky guy who looks like a mule? <laughs> the former, Sergeant. Jackson, you watch things here. I need to take this young lady to see the FBI men. Yes, sir. Come with me, Miss Meeker. What's going on here, Sergeant? Reese's office told me he was here on a stakeout of some kind. Uh, Continental Bank's being held up. That large brick building down at the end of the block. Three our men walked in the bank about an hour ago, demanded all the cash on hand. One of the patrons managed to sneak out the back and call for help. When Jackson and I showed up, the robbers locked the door and made their demands. So far, no one's been injured, but we called in Reese and his boys to help us out. What do they want? Uh, here are the stairs. Uh, they want the usual stuff. 
safe passage to the airport, the DC-3 fueled and ready for takeoff. Basically, they want to get out of jail free card. He's in there, ma'am. Just waiting for the crooks to pick up the phone. Thank you, Sergeant. What has Hoover gotten you into now? Oh, Helen! Not doing anything here that should concern the president. Shouldn't you be putting sugar in Roosevelt's coffee or taking Fala for a walk? <laughs> I only have to do that stuff on Tuesdays. Okay, so why are you here? The president has issued a request for you to help me with something that needs a couple of sharp eyes and good minds. You and I have to get to Georgia right away. Okay, but I can't leave here until we get this mess solved. Can't someone fill in for you? No way, Helen. I'm the only guy the lead hood will talk to. Why can't you just go in and take those men out? They have six hostages. The bank president, two male tellers, and a woman with their two small kids. No way we can run in there with guns blazing. We can't use tear gas either. Well, children change the dynamics. All right. How are you communicating with them? That phone. Over there where you found me. Henry, call them. Give me a chance to talk to the man in charge. How is that going to help? You never know. They might be more prone to listen to a woman. Look, you may be my old partner, Helen, but your sex appeal isn't going to convince them to change their plans. It worked on you. Good looking. <laughs> oh, all right, fine. You'll just hit the same wall we have. Ben, this is Reese. I have someone who wants to talk to you. It's a woman. The guy on the line is the head honcho. I'm guessing his accent's from the Midwest. Give me the phone, Henry. Ben! Helen Meeker here. How would you like to visit with a reporter from the New York Times? Well, the more the public knows your story, the better chance you have of getting sympathy. And you'll get what you want from the FBI. Besides, if you're in the Times, you'll be famous. Warner Brothers will want to make a movie about you. Think of it. Clark Gable in a starting role. Great. I'll walk down the street in about a minute. I'm wearing a blue suit. You'll be ready to let me into the bank when I get there. Bye. What are you doing? Henry, we have a really important job to do, and we don't have time for penny-ante stuff like this. If I wait for you to solve it, it might take days. I'm going to go fix this problem right now. Are you crazy? These guys are ready to kill anyone who gets in their way. Then I'll stay out of their way. You just stay put. Helen, I don't want you doing this. It'll be a piece of cake. See you in a minute. H Helen! A Date with Death is based on the Ace Collins novella series In the President's Service. Our story was adapted for podcasts by Michael Messner, who also directed this production. Performers included Andrew Sargent, Art Shingler, Gary Klassen, Jennifer Francis, Lance Rodriguez, Laura Brent, Lindsay Morgan, Max Sullivan, Michael Tucker, Nancy Messner, Nicole Player, Riley Hunsaker, Rocky Jacobs, and Sean Small. Also appearing were the author and the director. Music by Alex Productions. Creative Commons. This is Rachel Miller. Thank you for listening.
This is Thursday Thrillers, audio with action on the Mutual Audio Network. Join us tomorrow on Mutual with Friday Follies, the end of the week collection of comedy cut-ups. You can subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for every day of audio drama that fits your fancy. Or find the Friday Follies feed in your favorite podcast players. Now that's a lot of F's. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.